Well, a lot of that weather that they said we uh, might get, so far we've avoided. 34 degrees outside with just a very light snowflake or two falling. And they say we're only going to get up to uh, 38 today. In the forecast, it also says rain and snow showers. That's for today. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy and a high of 39. Saturday, 51, mostly sunny. Oh, well. It is that time. When it's more difficult to predict just what's going to happen. Weather-wise, that is. Um, all right. Well, Rodney's here, and let me kick on your mic. Good morning. Good morning to you, sir. Yes, sir. Welcome. And um, let's see here. Some of the stories, and we're going to cover some of these, um, of course, but I just I sort of had a little short list, well, not so short, of the headlines. And it's just really discouraging. <laughs> um, you know, we've got the shootings out in California. Um, what, three major incidents out there. Um, well, any incident is major, but any death, you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the severe weather that some of the nation has been going through. Um, um, the Virginia school shooting, that was kind of weird and awful. Um... Memphis, the police um, investigation going on down there. Um, Snapchat is something something I don't use, and yet um, there's a story that's uh, popped up in the last uh, few, I don't know, a day and a half about uh, they're having something to do with fentanyl and the people that are being poisoned, but somehow or other it's all connected to Snapchat. Weird. And, uh, of course, the Russia-Ukraine thing. Mercy. Um, we can just hope that everything settles down and works out. And um, maybe that's an unrealistic thought. Anyway, good morning, folks, and Rodney and everybody. Um, let's see here. Um, on this day in history, today a free-for-all edition. So the first one we touch on is that of 1482, the year and on this very date, the Pentateuch, Pentateuch, the Jewish Bible. And I think made, I, I, I did a, a, a search on it. Pentateuch, I think is how you Tuic. say it. yeah. Okay, well, I'm glad you did it, because <laughs> I was not certain. Well, it was and one you of know what? Um, I have some Jewish heritage in my background, but I, I didn't know this answer, of course. Yeah. Well, this, um, this was the Jewish Bible, mm -hmm. and uh, it was first printed on this date as a book, and that took place in Italy. You, do you know what Pentateuch means, by any chance? Not not a clue. It simply means five books in Greek, and uh, the Pentateuch, which the Jews call the Torah, includes the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteron uh, Deuteronomy. 
those are the five books that are contained in that. Well, I've certainly heard of much of that. I mean, those individual books. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, on this date in 1531, Lisbon hit by an earthquake and 30,000 deaths as a result of it. You know, you hear of these major natural, if you will, catastrophes. Mm -hmm. And then when you hear, see the, the death count, it just blows your mind. Yeah, that one, um, I guess it, they had the earthquake, and not only did they have the problems, obviously, from the, the ground shaking and destroying a lot of the city and, and a lot of the, the physical structure, but the, the big thing there was that they had a tsunami in that one, and that's what uh, uh, wiped out so many people. And honestly, uh, Lisbon, I mean, I don't want to say it's a hot spot, but it, like, I think like California, it's one of those places that has a lot of earthquakes whenever you look back at o over history. And it's had some weather issues, too. Um, okay, tsunami. What does tsunami mean to you? Well, a uh, big wave, yeah. <laughs> a lot of water, destruction. <laughs> so a tsunami would be highly wind-charged, and um, it can make swelling of the, the mm -hmm. ocean um, and, and build up... Um, unusually high waves and mm -hmm. things like that yep. anyway just wanted to make sure i was on the right track there. yeah a lot of it uh it's not only wind driven but um a lot of it comes from whenever they have an earthquake in the ocean it, it disrupts the water flow and like the water just kind of recedes and then it builds back up and then comes in like a big huge wave when we lived in um virginia beach um there was a period of time back in the early 70s, folks, where I... No, no. What year was it? Well, it doesn't matter. Anyway, where we owned WRAP in Norfolk, Virginia, huh. which was our nation's first black radio station. I was very proud to have that. We had it almost four years. Now, just curious, was the... Because WRAP saying uh, rap, and I know that was probably before what we know as rap in the 80s or what i would think did you, was that any correlation with that or was it just coincidence well, during the time i was involved with the station they certainly were playing rap oh, were they? <laughs> but uh it was not exclusively that nor had it been before you right know. right um but uh, golly all you know there were two white people on the entire staff <laughs> and i was one of them that's great. And um, I had a salesman who also was white. But the people that were there were legends. Mercy. Daddy Jack Holmes. Now, get this. He had been on the air for like 40 years in that uh, community. Wow. And uh, three weeks before we actually took over the station, he died. Mm. What a loss. Oh, yeah. And he and his, you know... When you talk about ratings, you know, his ratings were extremely sweet. So it was a real uh, gut-wrencher gut when he, his passing unexpectedly occurred. Hmm. But all the staff was terrific, golly. Hmm. And I keep in touch with them still, many of them. All right, well, let's see here. I'm way off track here. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> 
all because of tsunamis. And <laughs> oh, that's where we were. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we lived out on uh, 60, um, 61st Street, right on the beach, uh, for half of the time we were there. And then we were, were up at 92nd, um, again, right off of Atlantic Boulevard. So three houses from the water. Wow. And the second location, four houses from the water. That's nice. And um, unless you have a tsunami, <laughs> and we and we had some storms that caused what they called were tsunami waves, but they weren't the big, huge right. things. They sometimes did some damage to the beach because there's quite a spread of sand between where the houses mm-hmm. exist and the water. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I'm just reminiscing. <laughs> Okay, let's see. Let's go on to our next historical event. The year is 1564. The Council of Trent issued its conclusions in the Tridentium, establishing a distinction between Roman Catholicism and Protestantism. (laughs) Protestants, we'll just put it like that. There you go. <laughs> but they have a word here I can't say. Pro- Protestantism. <laughs> <laughs> I made it better the second time. So, um, in 1788, Captain Arthur Philip and British colonists hoist the Union flag at Sydney Cove. That's in New South Wales, now celebrated as Australia Day, referred to as Invasion Day by some First Nations people. Yeah, it's interesting how certain critical dates like that, some people celebrate and some people are saddened by. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. 1998, jumping way up. 210 years, President Bill Clinton says, I want to say one thing to the American people. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. And they're calling that a historical event. <laughs> I don't know. I, get <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, it was a... Folks, I, I knew them both. Um, that has nothing to do with this. Um, a historical event? Yeah. I don't know. Okay, famous birthdays, Douglas MacArthur. Absolutely. Famous military guy, right? Yep. Uh, American military leader, general of the Army for the United States, field marshal to the Philippine Army. Uh, he was uh, a royal bad butt, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> well... He was born on this date in 1880, and he passed in 1964. Paul Newman, well-known actor, one one of my favorites, born on this date in 1925. He passed in 2008. I didn't realize that Paul Newman was born in Cleveland Heights, Ohio. Yes. I didn't realize he was an Ohio-born person. Um, I don't know where I learned that, but I have known that for years. 
But uh, Paul Newman, golly, yeah, just name a couple of the many movies he appeared in that were best known. Uh, cool Hand Luke might be one of those. The Hustler, yeah. uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, The oh. Sting, The Towering Inferno, Slapshot, Fort Apache, The Bronx. Okay, <laughs> you get the point, folks. It's, the list is uh, too long. It would fill the hour. All right, Paul Newman. Born on this date in 1925. Okay. Uh, Nikolai Ceausescu. Um, and I think I said that pretty well. You did, absolutely. Uh, born in on this date in 1918. And uh, died in 1989. He was a uh, Romanian communist politician. He was also a dictator. Uh, the General Secretary of the Romanian uh, Communist Party from 1965 until 1989, and the second and last communist leader of Romania. Are you into hockey? Um, Ice I, hockey, I'm speaking of. Uh, not since the 1985 Olympics, unfortunately. Uh, I really That's I, a <laughs> long time ago. Mercy. Yes, I would say you are not then. <laughs> but uh, I have a granddaughter who's uh, 13, I think, or 12. I, forgive me for not knowing certainly the proper date or uh, age. But she has become a standout at her age in ice hockey. She's playing down in Chesapeake, Virginia, and plays in Philadelphia and all over the place. Wow. And um, the reason I bring it up, Wayne Gretzky. He uh, is celebrating his 62nd birthday today. Wow. Yeah, he, uh, Canadian-born, uh, obviously former professional ice hockey player, played 20 seasons in the, in the NHL, uh, four teams from uh, 1979 to 1999. Um, not sure which teams he played for, all of them, of course, but... Uh, See, I'm not a stock, uh, a stocky, a hockey fan. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'm not a stocky fan. So, um, I don't know why I said that. And that and okay, that we have two famous deaths to bring up. That's all at the moment. Um, first of all, Lucky Luciano. Yes. Charles Lucky Luciano. Now, do you know about this man at all? Um, uh, Enough that I, if I tell, speak about it, I may be wrong. <laughs> so um, he was a gangster, right? Yes, he was. There we go. Uh, That's the part I was only certain of. He yeah. was uh, born in 1896 and yeah. died on this date in 1962. Yeah, uh, very instrumental in the, the development of the National Crime Syndicate. Luciano is considered the father, the father, maybe the father to some, of modern organized crime in the United States for the establishment of the commission in 1931 uh, after he abolished the Boss of Bosses, a title held by Salvatore uh, Maranzano uh, following... Uh, an Italian war, you know, a mafia war they had going on. He was also the first official boss of the modern uh, G uh, Genovese family. G uh, yes. Uh, crime family. So uh, he kind of started that. But uh, uh, from what I understand, he was imprisoned um, and during World War II um, by offering uh, some intelligence of some sort during the war, he was allowed to 
uh, he was exonerated from his uh, criminal charges, which was uh, for like uh, running a prostitution ring or something like that. He got like 30 to 50 years in prison. And then they exonerated his sentence, but they also uh, made him go back to Italy. Uh, and then once he passed away, they actually allowed his body. He, he was buried here in the United States. They brought his body, body back to the U.S. But uh, Italian-born, but a uh, very big name as far as the Italian and organized crime syndicate is concerned in America. Yes, indeed. Well, let's um, let's uh, finish this report and go on to uh, <laughs> some of the current news, if you will. All right. And um, both Germany and the United States have committed now to sending battle tanks to the Ukraine. They did that. Um, they finalized that yesterday, which is a move the Ukraine says will bolster the country's defenses and set the stage to retake what are presently ca uh, captured territories. Um, these German tanks, I guess Germany, uh, I don't know how to put this. Germany said, we're not sending them unless the U.S. does. Right. That's that's basically what it comes down to. So the U.S. jumped in because um, we're concerned about the Ukrainians and how Russia is trying to um, take over that country. Yeah, and, you know, it's really concerning with uh, Putin and, you know, a lot of the, some of the reports you read, you have to wonder what his uh, health state is and with that being said if that's the case uh what his mental capacity is and you know it, it's kind of a scary situation people say how does it affect us well uh i think we 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 feel it every day uh on a lot of different levels but it could affect us a lot bigger so uh yeah this is uh something that we probably should pay a lot of attention to taking your putin point just a bit further um you know, I've sort of done a little bit of a Googling, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. research, uh, to see if something were to happen to Putin, who most likely would take his place? And it's not very clear. And that might be even scarier than Putin. Exactly. So, um, anyway... Um, Let's see. Estimates claim Ukraine has lost half of its nearly 1,000 Russian-designed tanks since February. Ukraine has long made requests for Germany's world-class diesel-run Leopard 2 tank. I think we've mentioned this a day or two ago. Thousands of which are currently stationed very nearby in Europe. And then the United States M1 Abrams, that, that their famous tank, while admittedly is one of the world's most battle-tested tanks, runs a complex system of inefficient jet fuel, hmm. which is harder to come by. Yep. And officials say sourcing parts for maintenance in Ukraine will be more difficult. The simultaneous separate decisions, that is, that of Germany and that of the U.S., uh, 
came as each country looked to avoid single-handedly escalating the conflict with Russia. And uh, to kind of finalize this, um, initial reports suggest Germany will approve a pool of over 100 of the Leopard tanks, while the U.S. will send 31 Abrams. With delivery expected to take months. <sighs> well, at least they're making noise and soon it'll come about. Um, the 25-year-old Virginia school teacher who was shot and injured by a six-year-old. This occurred down in Newport News. Um, the six-year-old being one of his students. Uh, as I understand it, this school teacher is poised to sue the Newport News School District alleging the Richneck Elementary School administrators ignored repeated warnings about that particular boy. Hmm. Abigail Zwerner said yesterday, according to her attorneys, that school employees told administrators three times the day of the January 6th shooting they believed the boy had a gun. Hmm. In one instance, another student reportedly cried to a teacher, saying the boy had shot, I'm sorry, has shown the student the gun and had threatened to kill that student. Well, the boy did later shoot Zwerner in the hand and chest in front of his classmates. Wow. The boy's family says he has an acute disability and they accompanied him to class every day except for the week of the shooting. It is unclear how the boy accessed the gun, which police say was legally purchased by his mother. Hmm. For him? <laughs> no. I doubt it, no, yeah. No, Just you know, she had the gun and he probably taken it. They found it somewhere in the house and started packing it. That's my guess all right well meta the parent company of facebook and instagram announced yesterday it would allow former president donald trump to return to the platforms in the coming weeks company officials revealed this decision in a blog post saying the former chief executive would be subject to updated content policies applicable to public figures, suspended for reasons related to civil unrest, namely suspicions of between one month and two years for further violations. As you may recall, Trump was suspended indefinitely two years ago for posts deemed to support the January 6th storming of the U.S. Capitol. What was the term they were using for that? The um, Insurrection? Yes, that's it. <laughs> it was on the tip of my brain, and my brain is pointed. 
Anyway, the decision was eventually referred to the company's oversight board, who upheld it but criticized it as ad hoc, directing Meta to review the suspension. The ban lift comes as Trump prepares to ramp up his 2024 presidential campaign and will allow access to the platform's advertising and fundraising infrastructure. By the way, he's also been reinstated on Twitter with reports that he'll become active once an exclusive exclusivity requirement with his own Truth Social ends in June. I think when Twitter uh, took him, uh, banned him from using them, he started a, another thing on his own. Yeah called Truth Social. Is it still going, I guess? Well, it sounds like he may end it in June Hmm. when he gets back on Twitter, but I don't know. I'm just guessing. Um, Let's see here. Maybe let's talk a little bit about sports. Okay. Now... Um, Bobcat basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Our next game is um, here in Athens. Is when? Uh, Saturday at two o'clock. Are we playing Miami? Akron. Akron. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they played uh, Western Michigan on Tuesday. They won that one, eighty-eight seventy-six. I was there. You know, Western, according to rumors was slightly favored to win the game, although both teams had basically the same record. And um, But Ohio did a terrific job, and so we came out well on top there. Now, um, once again, you say Saturday? Yep. And the game time? 2 o'clock. Okay, and at the combo, of course. Yep. And we're hosting Akron. Yes. Okay. The Zips. Absolutely. Do you know why they're called the Zips? Is that where the zipper was yes, invented? You got it. You got it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that was a piece of trivia that kind of had eluded me. I'd forgotten about, but as soon as you said that, it all kind of come uh, pouring back. Uh, interesting notes, by the way, about the uh, Ohio University Bobcats. They are currently ranked eighth in the Mid American Conference with a three and fourteen record. Uh, overall, I believe they are looking at an 11-9 and nine record. Uh, they've got nine wins and one loss at home, so chances are if you go to the convo and watch, you might get to see a win there. Uh, two and seven on the uh, road, by the way. Right. All right. Um, the Bengals. Um, you know, um, Ohio has a huge interest in the Bengals. Athens even more so because of Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Um, let's see here. They're due to play when? Um, I had Sunday, that. right? I believe so. Yeah, I need to to look at that for sure. It's coming up. It's sometime this weekend. Uh, it'll be against the Chief on Sunday at six thirty. Yes. Yes. That's uh, for the NFL Conference Championship. And, you know, um, we've got neighborhood gatherings now that are 
getting together and like potlucks uh-huh everybody brings something and um uh, now i'm torn between two different <laughs> you know i got two different invitations and uh suzanne and i will um flip a coin i guess <laughs> or go one half to one and one half to another i could do that they aren't that far away from one another but anyway um it's so much fun to um to have this going on you know yeah absolutely you know and and, you know i mean obviously we as ohioans many of us have felt really vested in the Bengals program but never more so than what we are right now i know athens you know i know the strong connection obviously with joe being right here from this community but even being from jackson and, and all around southeastern ohio uh that is a claim that is staked for everyone you know i mean uh we uh, everyone loves Joe, and uh, be, and knowing that he grew up just two counties away and played in our stadiums, you know, everybody really digs that whole concept, and everybody's um, on, you know, if they weren't before, they are definitely on the uh, uh, on board with the Bengals now. <laughs> sure, sure. What do they, what do they call that? The uh, whenever somebody gets on late, um, all. It's on late. I'm not sure. As a fan, I can't remember. There's a. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll remember it here in a few minutes. I've seen right. some pretty good memes about it uh, for, for applications for people. Bandwagon, that's what it was. Oh. Band, bandwagon fan applications on the internet floating around. <laughs> right. right. But it's hard not to get on that bandwagon, you know? Absolutely. Well, um,. There's um, a thing called the 1619 Project, and that's there's not a space. It's the 1619 Project, and um, according to the New York Times this morning, it continues to provoke national debate about race and history. Three and a half years ago, the New York Times Magazine published the 1619 Project. It argued that 1619, the the year the first slave ship is widely believed to have arrived in what is now the United States, was a foundational to America, was as foundational to America as the year 1776. And the legacy of chattel slavery still shapes our society. Of course, essays from historians, scholars, and others covered issues including capitalism, criminal justice, and music, and sparked a national debate about race and history that continues to rage on. Today, the 1619 Project premieres as a documentary series on Hulu. I don't know if I have access to Hulu or not. I cannot figure out my cable TV thing (laughs) very well at all. But um, in any case, Nicole Hannah-Jones is the 1619 Project's creator. And um, 
she went about to um, she spoke about what went into making this documentary and how the events of the past few years, like the pandemic and racial justice protests, have all shaped it. Um, you know, Germany. Um, American slavery ended generations ago, but one of the project's arguments was that slavery's legacy is still very much with us. And where do you see that most clearly? Um, Nicole said that every episode of the documentary is about modern America. It is following and it's taking on some institution or aspect of modern American life and then showing how slavery has shaped that institution. There's a theme through the series. The theme is black people suffer the most from the legacy of slavery, but most Americans suffer from it to some degree. In one episode, we talk about how capitalism in the United States was shaped largely by chattel slavery and the exploitation of labor, even when workers are paid. And it hurts all of us because we have accepted inequalities in the United States, particularly among workers, no matter their race. We follow the effort to unionize Amazon facilities on Staten Island and in Alabama, where workers are organizing to address those disparities. Um, the writer of this article says, one way I've heard experts describe this is that the politicians and other elites have used racist language and policies to divide white working class and black working class people who would otherwise share a common cause. Is that what you're speaking to? Yes. An, ex an expert historian, Robert D.G. D. Kelly. He says yes. And he talks in the capitalism episode about how the modern ideology around race was created to divide white laborers like indentured servants from enslaved black people and black people overall. The white landed elite was exploiting all of these people by creating and giving white people this honorary status and certain legal and societal rights that was an effective way to divide those who were being exploited from one another. Well, that has effects today. We know black people are more likely to be unemployed and more likely to live in poverty. But the American worker overall, no matter their race, is generally doing worse than those in, the, in other Western industrialized countries. The writer was asked, who's the most interesting person you've interviewed for this report? 
Well, no one stuck out. I'm, I'm sorry. I read that completely wrong. The one man who stuck out is MacArthur Cotton, who was a member of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, that's the SNCC, um, it's a student-led civil rights organization that was founded back in the 1960s. He dropped out of college to fight to, de 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 to democratize. Let me try that better. He dropped out of college to fight to democratize America. He goes to prison for trying to register voters where he was tortured, strung up by his wrists until he def um, defecated on himself. Huh. He said the only thing that saved his life was that there was a group visiting the prison that day. He got emotional hearing the story and said, I'm sorry that you had to go through that. And he was like, don't be sorry. This is what we had to do. Well, though the 1619 Project got a positive reception when the Times published it, it also became a political flashpoint Conservative politicians have criticized it, and some states have banned it from curriculums. I don't know. This article is lengthy, and I think you get the point. Yeah. Um, but if you would like to look into it greater, again, the 1619 Project is the title of it. And you can research it. Sounds like a probably a rather interesting documentary that <clears throat> might uh, be rather educational. Um, let's see what what's going on politically. Like uh, sometimes the very word politics <laughs> just sort of puts a a certain gloom and doom thing. <laughs> anyway, some Democrats are criticizing President Biden's handling of classified documents. Yeah, we've talked about this several times over the last couple of months. I, I heard, I think, on a report that they may have found some documents even in Pence's possession. Mm, exactly. Yeah. yeah, We had that story, I think, yesterday. You, you almost have to wonder if it isn't probably something that nearly every president has someplace and done in the past they're just either a coming to light now or they're making a big deal out of it now. if you folks listen to this show regularly you may have heard me mention that i had done such a thing several times during my years in the service working intelligence for cambodia and laos and uh, there'd be a long, lengthy report. Uh, I was tired. I thought, I'll take it home and read it. And I took it to my home over in Kahala. And so had they come into my house, they would have found 
a ultra sensitive document. You know, mm-hmm. I I know what they're concerned about, but I also know that there are ways of working this out so that people could work larger than just from their office. Anyway, let's let's just move on to the next point. Donald Trump will regain access to his Facebook and Instagram accounts. I think we told you about this in the story yesterday and again today. Another political statement. Republicans in at least 25 states have proposed anti-transgender bills. Another story. A drug maker filed a lawsuit in federal court to challenge West Virginia's ban on abortion pills. This is in a case that could set a precedent for other state bans. And uh, the last of these sort of statements, Louisiana's practice of detaining inmates beyond their court-ordered release dates violates the Constitution. The Justice Department found that. Um, Alex Murdoch. He's a lawyer, or I guess I should say a former lawyer, who is charged with murdering his wife and son. And I I guess the trial started yesterday or the day before, but just recently. And it's been very widely covered. And it's, it's, um, it's just very complicated. Um... Let's see, these other ones we've done already. Um, Egg prices, we haven't talked about that today, but uh, we have uh, talked about it once or twice uh, over the last week or so. Egg prices skyrocket. More people are trying to bring them across the U.S. border with Mexico. (laughs) They're smuggling eggs. Smuggling eggs. (laughs) This is great. Yeah. (laughs) And um, the Walt Disney World, right? Uh Uh-huh. Splash Mountain, the popular ride out there, has closed for Uh, good. I wanted to go ride that one last time. Super fans are selling what they say is its water. Okay, do you know why they... Yeah, it's it's because of uh, a lot of the... It's just not politically correct. I think there's a lot of like racial overtones in it with... Uh, it, it's, a, it's a period t- thing, you know, where at one time when things were thought comical and funny, now people take as offensive. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not one way or the other i'm just saying that's that's the way that's what brought it to its demise basically Hmm. well i've been to um, disneyland i have not been to disney world Um, this one is located at which um well it says um, I thought it was in Florida, but it may be it may be in California. They may have one in each. Actually, I don't know. 
Walt Disney World. That's the one in... I, I think that's Florida. Yeah, Florida, yeah. Actually, uh, I know a uh, young lady that works with Total Media over in Jackson. She and her family drove down uh, a week ago, la- last week. Uh, they took off on like a Thursday morning or Thursday night, drove all night, morning, whatever, got there, went and rode it because they knew it was going to be closing, and then turned around and drove right back. That's the only reason they went to Florida was to ride that one ride. And then, I'm sure they did a few other things while they were there, but that was the purpose of, of going down. Mercy. Yeah. Hey, Dave, uh, real quick before we get out of the hour, just want to remind folks about uh, WATH and uh, the Cincinnati Reds caravan that is uh, back uh, on the road here in 2023, the uh, caravan has taken a couple of years off and hasn't made a stop anywhere. Where they're back on the road, uh, they've changed things up a little bit this year. Uh, in years past, it's been an open situation, uh, but uh, here this year, it's closed to the public. And uh, but we are going to be having a few clients and a few guests. I know that we've been giving tickets away on uh, Power 105 WXTQ, our sister station here in uh, in Athens. And just uh, want to let folks know that we will be broadcasting that live uh, tomorrow between 11:30 and 12:30. It's at an undisclosed location because uh, again they they do, they because of time restrictions it has doesn't have anything to do necessarily with covid or they're afraid but with time restrictions they're trying to get out to as many communities as they can they've got about half the staff that they've operated with in the past and uh, they're in for an hour and then back out we had a visit with them yesterday in jackson it was a great opportunity they'll be here in athens tomorrow and you can listen to it all right here on um WATH 97.1 on the FM side and 970 on the AM side. And, of course, we'll be carrying the Reds all season long right here as well. And, um, again, it's a very limited audience they're allowing, so there are tickets tickets only required. And um, both of our stations are giving some of those away. So when you hear the uh, host of the show... Say, call us, be the third caller, or whatever, that sort of thing. Um, you might win some tickets. But it's uh, tomorrow at... Um, 1130. 1130. Yep. Marty Brenneman. Yep. Who else? Uh, Chris Sabo. Uh, let's see. I've, I've got it in an email right here. I, uh, we've got some, uh, some young kids out there as well. There's an, a young kid by the name of uh, Cam Collier. Uh, I don't know that he's actually played in the majors yet but he's uh, a top prospect for the uh, Cincinnati Reds and uh, um, let's see uh, I got one more there's one other guy that uh, one other young kid that's coming uh, TJ something I think maybe okay. uh, but anyway uh, Chris Sabo Marty Brenneman uh, will also have uh, the Reds uh, broadcaster uh, Tommy Craw- uh, Thrall will be here Reds general manager Nick Crawl will be here so it's going to be a good time all righty well folks um, we're sorry that we can't open it up to the public but they're they're trying to be respectful of the uh, the various uh, what do you call them um, time restrictions right now yeah yeah that and in, 